0: this is a charles russell Speechlease podcast welcome to property patter my name is emma priest and i'm an associate in our real estate disputes team and i'm joined today by hannah turner an associate also in our real estate disputes team and laura bushway our knowledge development lawyer so today we're looking at assured shorthold tenancies and some of the traps that can be encountered when granting and terminating these types of tenancies. The legislation in this area has evolved relatively quickly over time and continues to change to the extent that obtaining possession of properties let on an AST has become somewhat of a minefield, fought with traps at various different stages. So we're going to be discussing some of those changes and the various traps in a little more detail, although just to be clear, we're covering the changes in the law and the legal position as it is in England only. There's different rules for Wales, um, but we won't be covering those today. We saw a lot of change in the law during the pandemic, which led to confusion as to which rules apply. So I thought we could start off with this. Laura, do any of the restrictions or the changes introduced during the pandemic remain in force at the moment?
1: So in the main, no, the restrictions have largely been removed. So we saw during the pandemic a number of changes, The first change um, I think that most people are aware of was to notice periods. At one point, the notice periods were increased to six months before being reduced, and we're currently in the position where notice periods are now the same as they were prior to the pandemic. So for a Section 21 notice to terminate an assured shorthold tenancy, the notice period is back to being at least two months notice. Another change we saw during the pandemic was that the restrictions or there were restrictions on the issue of possession proceedings. Um, Those were lifted back in September 2020. There was also a ban on the enforcement of a possession order by instructing a court bailiff. And that restriction was also lifted in May 2021. So landlords can now issue possession proceedings and enforce possession orders via the court bailiffs in the usual way. Now, the third change we saw during the pandemic was that even when proceedings were issued, there were some procedural changes. There was a temporary practice direction and that applied to the issue of possession proceedings. And the court also made some changes to the way that they handled the cases. So there was a review hearing before there was a substantive hearing. So there was this extra step that wouldn't have been uh, in place prior to the pandemic. Procedurally, however, matters have generally reverted to the position that existed prior to the pandemic, but there are a couple of rules remaining from the temporary practice direction, which still apply in certain circumstances.
0: Okay, thanks, Laura. So largely, by and large, we are back to where we were before. So that's good news. Um, And in terms of terminating uh, tenancies, Hannah, what sort of options do landlords have?
2: So the landlord has two options, really. Um, It can either serve a section 21 notice, um, which is known as as the non-fault notice and requires two months notice, as Laura mentioned, to bring the AST to an end. Uh, A section 21 notice cannot be served during the first four months of the tour the term normally and can only be used to bring the ASD to an end on or after the expiry of the fixed term of the ASD. Um, The other option for landlords is to serve a Section 8 notice relying upon one of the grounds for possession in the Housing Act 1988. Um, The grounds we commonly see relied upon include serious rent arrears, uh, breaches of the terms of the tenancy and perhaps antisocial behaviour. The length of notice required for a Section 8 notice does depend on the ground of possession we are relying upon, um, but grounds such as rent arrears normally require about two weeks notice and um, the advantage obviously of serving a section 21 notice is that the court has no discretion and must make an order for possession where it's been validly served. Um, this can be contrasted with a section 8 notice which normally requires the ground to be established first and then the court may or may not be obliged to order possession depending on the ground relied upon they might still have some discretion over the award
0: so section 21 notices tenant doesn't have to have done anything wrong in order to get possession, and then contrast with Section 8, where you're relying on a breach by the tenant. Fine. But there's quite a lot of paperwork to be provided at the outset of these tenancies, and the law, I know, has changed quite a lot, increasingly over time. So, Laura, could you just run through what the position is right now on that?
1: Yes, sure. So, in order to serve a valid Section 21 notice, it's very important that a landlord or their agent has served a number of documents at the outset of the tenancy the first of these is a guide called how to rent the checklist for renting in england which is published by the department for leveling up housing and communities and is available on their website and that guide is in a prescribed form so it's very important that the correct version of it is used in addition a landlord or their agent must serve an energy performance certificate and also a gas safety certificate before the tenant enters into occupation of the property and obviously it's important that evidence of service of those documents is retained.
0: And what happens if those documents haven't been served or not all, or some and not all of them have been
1: served? So it's very important for the landlords to try and take the steps just described before the tenant enters into occupation of the property in order that they can then serve a valid section 21 notice. However, where for any reason that hasn't been done, a landlord can serve the how to rent guide as long as they do it, before they serve the Section 21 notice. Likewise, the Court of Appeal confirmed in the case of Trekkoral House and Rouncefield um, that a landlord can also serve a gas safety certificate late, provided that the landlord did hold a valid gas safety certificate at the uh, outset of the AST, and provided again that the gas safety certificate is served before the section 21 notice. And I think it's also generally accepted that the same applies to an EPC certificate. Now, obviously, um, failure to provide an EPC. Right or to carry out gas uh, safety checks on an annual basis or to provide gas safety certificates can also be a breach of the legislation governing those requirements, which could mean financial penalties for landlords if they're not complied with. Um, There are also separate requirements um, that in order to let a property on an AST, the property must have minimum energy efficiency uh, ratings. And in this case, it's an, an E rating, but those don't actually affect the service of a valid section 21 notice.
0: Thanks, Laura. So there's quite a lot, isn't there, really, to think about. But in addition to that, we've got tenancy deposits, which is a separate area on its own. Um, And we do see problems on tenancy deposits as well, where the necessary formalities haven't been complied with. Um, Hannah, can you just remind our listeners of the requirements for tenancy deposits in connection with ASTs?
2: Of course. So in summary, within 30 days of receiving the deposit, the landlord must... Firstly, place the deposit in an authorised scheme and also comply with the initial requirements of the chosen tenancy deposit scheme. They must also give the tenant prescribed information about the scheme, the deposit and the AST. So this typically includes details of the deposit, contact details about the scheme, the landlord or perhaps its agent, um, details about the procedure for releasing the deposit and also covering off if there's any dispute about the return of the deposit at the end of the tenancy. And then finally, they must also give the tenant a certificate confirming that the information they've provided is accurate and true to the best of their belief. And then they must also state in the certificate that they've given the tenant a chance to sign the certificate and confirm the information is accurate and true to the best of their knowledge and belief. The landlords will, of course, also need to comply with the Tenants' Fees Act um, from 2019, which obviously caps the level of deposit that they can request in the first place if they haven't complied with all the requirements the landlord could be prevented from serving a section 21 notice Um, there's also the option for the tenant to apply to the court for an order requiring the landlord to either repay the deposit um, or pay into a tenancy deposit scheme and also request the court make an order that the landlord pay a financial penalty. So the level of financial penalty that the court can award is between one and three times the deposit. And so this could potentially be quite significant depending on the level of deposit um, retained. So the easiest way normally around this issue is to retain the deposit before serving the section 21 notice.
0: Okay, so quite significant implications with that one in particular then with the financial penalty of one to three times a deposit. Um, Are there any other hurdles you're aware of or landlords should be aware of when seeking to obtain possession?
1: Yes I'm afraid that there are Um, so it's very important um, for landlords to keep up to date with all the legislative requirements so that they know what is required of them. For example um, if a tenant has made a complaint about the condition of the property um, which has been the subject of an improvement notice or Other notice from the local authority, a landlord may not be able to serve a section 21 notice for six months. It's also very important for landlords to ensure that if they need to, they hold a valid license where a property is a house in multiple occupations or if the relevant local authority has introduced a selective licensing scheme covering the area where the property is situated. Now, unfortunately, there's no central database of additional licensing requirements, so it's usually necessary to check with the relevant local authority whether the property is in an area subject to selective licensing. If it is, and the landlord doesn't hold a valid license, it can't serve a section 21 notice. Another important point for landlords and their agents is to check that they are using the correct prescribed form of the relevant notice uh, which they are serving. And the reason that I particularly mention this is because there were a number of changes throughout the pandemic and new versions most recently came into force on the 1st of October 2021. So it's vital that the correct version is used.
0: And Hannah, what about the Tenant Fees Act 2019? What's been the impact of that and how does it affect landlords and tenants?
2: So the the Tenant Fees Act applied to all new ASTs and tenancies of student accommodation from the 1st of June 2019 and applied to all existing ASTs from the 1st of June 2020. So the the Act itself effectively bans all payments from a tenant unless they're expressly permitted in the Act and therefore aim to sort of reduce any hidden costs that were faced from the tenant at the outset. So under the Act, landlords or letting agents are only allowed to charge permitted payments, and these include rent, uh, a refundable deposit capped at no more than five weeks' rent if the annual rent is under £50,000 a year, or six weeks if it's over that threshold, and also, you know, payments such as a holding deposit of up to one week's rent, for example. The Act also caps other payments in connection with a tenancy, such as, you know, the common ones where a tenant requests to change the tenancy, and that fee's fee is capped to and also covers other sort of default fees for things like replacement of lost keys and things like that. So the main impact for landlords is that they can't serve a section 21 notice until they've repaid any prohibited payments. Um, you know, the, the trading standards authorities ultimately enforce the prohibitions and a breach of the legislation will be a civil offence with a financial penalty of up to £5,000. Um, you know, if the landlord's uh, found to have, have breached the legislation within The the next five years, again, it can obviously lead to a higher financial penalty of up to £30,000 and could ultimately lead to criminal prosecution or even a banning order on on letting properties for a year. Um, From the tenant's perspective, they're obviously entitled to be reimbursed any prohibited payments with interest. um, And if the landlord or letting agent fails to do so, they also have the option to apply to the first tier tribunal to recover the sums that way.
0: Thanks, Hannah. So another thing to keep in mind is the Tenant Fees Act. Laura, just going back to the possession process. So what happens then if a tenant doesn't vacate at the expiry of the section 21 notice, the deadlines come and it's gone and they're still there. What's the next step for the landlord? They need to go to court to get a possession order. How long does that normally take and what's the quickest route?
1: So, yes, as the property will be residential, it will be necessary for the landlord to issue possession proceedings in the court. The likely timescale is going to depend um, on the capacity of the relevant county court at the time of issue. However, there are a couple of different routes available. If the landlord has served a section 21 notice, then they may be able to use the accelerated possession proceedings route. This is only available where a section 21 notice has been served and usually means there won't be a hearing. What the court does is effectively rubber stamps the paperwork, checks it's all in place, um, and that's all got to be attached to the claim form. And if that is the case, the court will make a possession order. However, a landlord cannot include a claim for arrears, and they'd have to make that claim separately, and also these types of claims are subject to nominal fixed costs. This is, however, likely to be the quickest and cheapest route in many cases. Where the accelerated procedure cannot be used, um, a first hearing would usually be listed within a couple of months. The speed of the process will again depend on um, the availability at the local county court, um, but also on whether the tenant defends the proceedings if the claim is uncontested it can usually take about 4 to 6 months to obtain possession a possession order a court bailiff will need to then be instructed to enforce the possession order if the tenant remains in occupation beyond the date specified this is where i think there are some delays at present um because during the pandemic there was quite a considerable period of time where no evictions were being carried out so um this is an area where we are seeing a little bit of a backlog, but landlords can no doubt take advice on specific claims from their legal advisors.
0: Thanks, Laura. So, again, it's a process, isn't it, from start to finish, this whole thing concludes our whistle-stop tour of granting terminating ASTs and, and the traps that come with it. Um, I really hope our listeners have found this helpful. Um, there is a lot of detail in this area, so I hope this has been helpful as a brief overview but if you do have any questions then please do of course get in touch with us and we would be happy to assist you this is a charles russell speechlies podcast